Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Villanova Basketball Report. It's live weekly here on Bob Long Sports. My name is Bob Long and my crew, the guys I can't do it without. Around the horn, Kevin Long, Kevin McLernan, K-Mac, and Tom Trainer alongside. Gentlemen, welcome. Well, a bit of a different discussion than we were having at this time last week. Villanova winners of two straight, UConn over the weekend, St. John's in a route as we tape here on Wednesday night. That was last night, Tuesday. And so, quick hits before we get going with the opening tip, our thoughts on Villanova basketball right now. Yeah, starting with the game last night, absolutely an encouraging effort to see this team come out with a little bit of fire, definitely wanting to avenge that loss to St. John's a few weeks ago. Uh, that was encouraging to see. And the game for against UConn uh, over the weekend, um, you know, overall, I, I think it's a good win against a team that's going to be right there in the tournament discussion. Uh, I, I think there were some flaws that showed there. Uh, Caleb Daniels was virtually non-existent in that game. Uh, didn't really get a whole lot of minutes. Um, it was a little bit concerning, but then he was able to turn it around uh, last night against St. John. So, that seemed to quell any concerns surrounding him. So uh, overall, uh, excited about uh, how the week went and uh, looking forward to the week ahead. Tom, what did you see this week? Well, I think we possibly saw their most complete game of the season last night against St. John's. As Kev said, it was great to see them avenge that loss. Took much better care of the basketball. I think we're starting to see more guys step up, some new faces, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, step up and play big minutes and then that UConn game I think a good win I mean obviously great to beat UConn always especially in your first game against them in their return to the Big East Uh, I just have to wonder does this does that game turn out differently if James Booknight doesn't get injured and stays hot who knows obviously it's a hypothetical we'll never know but nonetheless always good to beat UConn and great to avenge the loss to St. John's. Yeah, what I saw in that game, uh, un, uninspiring basketball for me, and that's from both sides. Tough one for Fox to get on a national broadcast, but a win is certainly a win, and you're right. They played much better against St. John's. K-Mac, he's back, baby. K-Mac's back. From yeah. the long-awaited fishing trip. How's it going, my friend? Yeah, I mean, it's always good to be here with Tom and Kevin and I guess Bob, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be back with you guys talking about Villanova basketball. Um, kind of hitting off what you guys were saying. I mean, uninspiring game, but last night, very inspiring. Uh, huge comeback uh, from their loss to St. John's. So, yeah, uh, good to see. And uh, finally, we've been waiting for a game like that where they put it all together, and uh, there it was. Only thing I would say to that, still the second most turnovers that Villanova's had on the season. The first came in that loss to St. John's, as you might imagine. But nonetheless, I was back... going to say, that's more of an testament to St. John's. No, Bob? I mean, those guys, they look like Elastigirl. I mean, some of the stretching for some of those steals, they, they pick yep. pockets like out of nowhere. It's crazy. They, they are a very talented, um, stealth defensive team. Very impressive. I think, I think let's give St. John's a little bit more credit on that one. A lot of credit to St. John's. Lost two this week, one to DePaul, and then the other one up out to Villanova. But, no, listen, I, I hear you, right? There's a lot of athletes there, um, and they've made it tough for Villanova. They still need to take care of the basketball down the stretch to go deep. And you're right, Tom. St. John's a good opportunity 
for Villanova to, to get looks against an aggressive defensive team. And with that, let's take a deeper dive into all that in tonight's opening tip here on the Villanova Basketball Report. All right, let's talk about some questions. And as we fired around the round table getting ready for this show, I think what everybody wanted to talk about in some way, shape, or form was the bench. And you can certainly understand that. 2016, 2018, some of the teams that were some of the most dominant in Villanova basketball history, and they were seven to eight deep. And in a lot of those years, it was Villanova maybe creeping from eight men in general rotation maybe down to seven, shortening that bench as the year went on. This year, it feels like we're talking about extending the bench. Why is that the case this year, guys? Why are we talking about this kind of counter to what it's been in years past? Well, that's a great question, Bob. Um, And I'm not sure that I completely agree with, with, I guess, where you're coming from in terms of extending the bench right now, because I feel like, this bench is shrinking right now. It, it, it depends where you look is what I'll say at first. I think that, you know, if you're going to be a starter or have some kind of a role in Jay Wright's team, you're going to have to play defense. And I think what we've seen over really over the past three months from Eric Dixon has been disappointing defensively. He definitely has some offensive skills, uh, but he has not shown trustworthiness to be able to put him into a close game and and we really haven't seen it from Cole Swider on a consistent basis he has at times here and there this season uh but the one guy who has really stepped up is is Brandon Slater you know he's not much to speak for offensively but he certainly has some great defensive skills and as we saw in the St. John's game he's able to turn that into some offense at times uh but he's really the only guy I'm looking at on this bench that that I trust uh, to put into a, a, a tight game at this point. So I'm, I'm very concerned about the depth. Obviously, we saw a little bit of Antoine and Trey Patterson uh, in that St. John's game, but, but they seem both very far from, from being any kind of a contributing factor. So I, I'm very concerned about the current state of the depth of this bench right now. That's right. Brian Antoine. See, K-Mac fishing trip? What fishing trip? I think he's just waiting for Brian Antoine's return. Um, is all it was. And hey, I just want to first, first of all, say Brian Antoine brought us the most exciting play of the season so far last night when he made that steal, saved the ball going out of bounds, pass out to Slater for the dunk. That was the most athletic and most exciting play we've had yet this season, um, which reminded me, like, those are the types of plays that a 2018 team made all the time, um, which just made them so much fun to watch. Um, so super exciting to have him back there. As you said, Kev, long way to go for him. Um, but it's all encouraging and always great to see him get minutes because that's the only way he's going to get there. Um, I mean, Brandon Slater is in a very impressive way becoming that sixth man, um, I, in my opinion. And it, it is the defense. Um, he's long. He's athletic. I think it's also helped him to become so much more confident on the offensive end. Um, and not just confident necessarily in terms of looking to score or shooting, just in terms of his decision-making, right? He used to catch the basketball and afraid to dribble the ball, always looking, okay, where can I pass it to? Um, And now we at least see him triple threat comfortably, 
look to make a move. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. Um, and so I think that's another great case of kind of what we saw with Cole earlier in the season, right? We saw him, uh, especially in that Texas game comes to mind where defense led to more confident offense, which is great. But, but you're right. I mean, you're right. In some sense, it's almost been a revolving door. You know, very beginning of the season, we were excited about Eric Dixon, who you mentioned has been a disappointment. Um, so I don't know if it's extend or shorten the bench. It's almost like a revolving door. I mean, I don't know that ever was Eric Dixon, but we, we thought we were hoping it might be. And then it was Cole Swider. And then it was Brandon Slater. I guess the question is, can you, can we get all of those guys together? Can yeah. you have a solid yeah. seven or eight man rotation is the question. I'm still bullish on Cole Swider. And listen, I, I'm, I'm the guy that went to the whiteboard three or four times last year and just said that the guy can't defend and he couldn't, and he still is struggling, but I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more bullish than what I've heard. At least the first two of you guys talk about there. I think he's a bona fide college basketball player at this point. I think he's the first and key contributor off the bench. You know, I, I get that Brandon Slater's defense is very important and I'm glad that he can play a role you know, I think it is a struggle offensively. I'd rather have Colt Swider put the ball on the deck than Brandon Slater. We're not talking about even shooting proficiency here, but to truly run the offense and not kind of get caught in a log jam, I think Cole is, is the guy over Slater. And then one comment I wanted to make as well on Antoine, I'm thrilled to see that he's playing more right now because without getting into it too, too much, if you were to read the tea leaves even a month ago, you would have thought that that situation was going a different way. And I'm not necessarily talking exactly like a JQ route. I mean, I think Brian Antoine's done everything right and has been a great ambassador for the program, but there was just a thought amongst some circles that perhaps Brian Antoine was going to have a, a quiet season without much time and perhaps depart at the end of the year. I wonder if that is changing right now. And then if he does find himself in a, a bigger role, a better role, a team that makes a run. It would be great to have Antoine continue his career at Villanova for as long as it takes him. But K-Mac, you're a little quiet over there. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Jay trying to find an answer, right? I mean, this team doesn't have the depth, obviously, of the national championship teams. There's no Bridges. There's no DiVincenzo coming off the bench. So I think he's trying to play these guys in different situations to see what lineups they're good against, what lineups on, on Villanova they're good with, uh, so that when it comes – down to crunch time, somebody gets in foul trouble. Uh, he knows which guy to put in. And um, I mean, obviously it, it's going to be tough to figure that out, right? None of these guys are top tier bench guys. I, th I think in a, in a top tier college team, right. Or, or a team that will go to the final four, the way they're playing right now. Um, so I think he needs to figure out what they're doing best at this moment so that they can do it the best during tournament time. I think this is where the three-week layoff comes into play. You usually would see Jay start to make some of these changes around January. And if we are sitting here in January with five weeks to go, you're feeling pretty good about Brian Antoine getting 11 minutes in last night's game and starting to develop. But we aren't. We're sitting here in late February with three games to go before the Big East tournament. And you, you think – how much of an impact can any of these guys who are not playing consistent minutes really make? And I think that's, that's what's concerning to me is that right now, personally, the only guy that I trust that's getting significant minutes off the bench is Brandon Slater. I, I've been, I, I know we've go back and forth on Cole Swider, but I'm very disappointed with the way that he has developed defensively. 
and and he just seems like a guy who gets in his own head and it translates to his offensive performance and the shooting hasn't been there. And if Cole Swider's shooting is not there, you know, who is he, you know, and why is he there? So that's, that's my concern right now. And that's why I, you know, I would say Brandon Slater's a six man off the bench and um, you know, I'm really concerned about, about his dribbling ability in, in late game situations. We've seen Villanova struggle with the press and, uh, you know, that's that's not one of Cole Swider's strong suits, nor is it really anybody on the bench. Maybe Brian Antoine is a guy that can help with that if he comes along very quickly. And I don't think the I, I think Bob has a point. I think that Cole Swider and Brandon Slater, where they're currently at, pretty comparable. I think the potential and trajectory is very different. I think what we are getting out of Cole Swider right now is about what we're going to get. I mean, I know he's got another year, um, at least, I guess. Um, he's got another year. But I think at this point, junior year, we would have hoped he might have developed a little bit more. Um, Brandon Slater, I know you could say the same thing. He's also a junior. But I think we knew he was always going to be a little bit more of a project and a late bloomer. That was clear very early on. And now I think we are just seeing Brandon Slater. And we've seen we've seen this happen before, right? I'm not saying the ceiling is Mikhail Bridges or Josh Hart, but we've seen that guy. Role it's, Jer- player. it's Jermaine, right? I mean, he's well, Jermaine. Well, I think, I think even more so than Jermaine. He's so much he's more he's, better player he, than Jermaine. He's by so much he's more done? coordinated. He's so much more athletic. I'm talking about ceiling and potential and his trajectory right now, Bob. And wow. we've seen this before. We've seen guys who have gotten playing time because they are long and they are athletic and they are great defensive players. And then we've seen them grow in confidence and become better offensive players. Again, the ceiling is not Josh Hart and it's not Mikhail Bridges. But I'm saying the ceiling is surely more than where Cole Swider's is right now. And I think it's more than even where Jermaine Samuels is. Wow. Not on board with that, but that's that's part of good discourse. I, I think Cole Swider's ceiling is way higher. If he can learn to defend, get a little stronger, both on and off the basketball. When is that going to happen, Bob? I just, I think you either have it or you don't. I When's mean, Slater going to happen? No, no <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about intangible or, you know, not intangible, tangible skills. Like you either have speed and you have strength or quickness or you don't. Cole Swider is almost always going to be beaten off the dribble. He's had time to progress, time to get quicker. Hasn't happened. Uh, I'm worried in terms of bench, whatever happens if JRE gets in foul trouble. I mean, in the past, we've gotten away with big, not really having a backup big guy. Uh, we were lucky to have Daryl Reynolds, who, who could fit the bill for a while. Yep. But, you know, we got away with it with Amari, and Pascal could play that role um, when Amari was out. Yep. But, like, now it's Dada, Dada did. Without Dada, it hurts, right? I mean, what do we do if JRE gets in foul trouble? Yeah, Samuels has to step up and play against a bigger Right. Opposing. But I just think I, I think that I, I I hear you, but I think that what I've seen in the past month out of Brandon Slater, the, the amount of growth that he's in my mind has been exponential these past four weeks of basketball um, is is something that I is brings me a lot of hope. I certainly I agree with so. you. If, if, if you think he's going to be – has a better trajectory than Jermaine Samuels and the way he's playing right now, I mean, you have you have a lot of hope, and that's that says a lot. I'm sorry, Kev. 
I was just going to say that I agree with the assessment of Brandon Slater and that he's gotten better. Uh, and, and although, you know, I'm quick to jump on Cole right now, I think that the, the ceiling is higher for Cole. I would agree with Bob on this one, just because a guy who can shoot the ball as well as he can, and a guy who's as long as he can, as he is, I think those are some of the skills that are, are very difficult to learn. You know, the defense has come along very slowly, but you just look at the frame and, and what he has. And, and if he can kind of get out of his own head, I think he could be an excellent NBA player. Frankly, he, I just don't trust him right now in March to, to be a contributing factor on this team. But if things, if he can play defense, He's got uh, a great body of work around him to potentially be a good NBA player. And, and Brandon Slater has just never really put it together offensively. I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening within the next year. And I think that's going to ultimately prevent him from, from having any NBA aspirations. All right. I heard national basketball association. So K Mac. All right. Well, no, I'm the tiebreaker since I'm worth two points. Um, <laughs> But I'll, I'm going with Tom here. I, I think the difference here of what you're arguing is the ceiling and the potential to be more likely hit that ceiling, right? Uh, Slater has, like I, I agree with Tom, he has those tangible assets that he, he, you see what he could possibly do, right? I mean, we, like you mentioned, this player is not, not that bridge, bridges level, but that bridge type of athleticism and length. Um, so you can see it there. The chances of him hitting that ceiling, I'm not confident in. Um, but I would definitely say he had the has the higher ceiling. I don't think either will be NBA players, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree with that as what's, well. What's interesting, just one last point, is Cole Swider was a huge recruit. I, I, don't yeah. have in front of me. I don't remember exactly how high. Not as high as move. Correctly, well, he – yeah, that's right. Not as high as move. That's for <laughs> If sure. you know, you know. If you listen to the podcast, <laughs> you know. Um, but, I mean, I've, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he chose Villanova over the likes of Duke and some other very, um, you know, blue blood, powerful programs. Um, so, I mean, clearly the guy has been rated before as an NBA caliber player, right? If you're being recruited Duke, um, you obviously have NBA potential. I just think, I mean, K-Mac K- uh, kind of came to the rescue with the point there is that um, Brandon Slater, you see what he can be. And what I'm saying is, his growth that I've seen recently um, has given me a lot of hope. I mean, he's got a smooth lefty jump shot. Is he as good of a shooter as Cole Swider? No, but he can shoot or at least shows capability of shooting. Did you see those dunks last night? He can drive to. We've seen him drive to the basket. And with that length, he can shoot right over people. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think he is growing really quickly. And I think he's a major key to this team's success in March. Yeah, 30, 34th recruit, by the way. Looked it up. Cole Swider. 30, 34th in the class of 18. Yeah, and I, listen, I, I, I'm still surprised when he hits threes, but I will give him credit on the amount that he's worked at it because that wasn't his calling card coming in. It wasn't even a factor in the first two years, and he's hit a few threes over the course of the year, you know, generally uncontested. But listen, that, the fact that he can shoot it proficiently is huge for Villanova. Um, the one that's still buzzing with me, Tom, is that he has a higher ceiling than Jermaine. And I get it, ceiling, right? But we have to talk in, in somewhat of realities here. And, and I don't necessarily see any scenario where he 
plays a bigger role than Jermaine does this year for this team in next year or the year following. Who knows, though? Yeah, I would say, I mean, part of that is circumstantial. Um, Jermaine was sort of forced into a role probably yep. earlier than anticipated, um, especially two seasons ago um, when he became the third piece behind Phil Booth and Eric Paschal, who would have thunk. Um, but whereas, you know, there have been more pieces in front of a Brandon Slater. Um, I will say there is something to Jermaine as frustrating as he is, can be at times and as absent as he can be at times on the offensive end. I mean, you've said it, Bob, the numbers don't lie. Villanova is a better defensive and rebounding basketball team when Jermaine Samuels is on the court. Um, and so we haven't seen that at Brandon Slater. I mean, Brandon Slater, frankly, hasn't played enough minutes to have yeah. any data uh, that, that's significant to look at there. Um, but I think that, I mean, one thing we talk about with Jermaine all the time is, I mean, he, sometimes I don't want to be cruel, but, you know, uh, the, basketball, goofy. Or, bas- the basketball version of a toddler struggling to walk, right? Like, <laughs> like, like looks like ser- seriously, it's, it's, yeah, um, it's very seriously. Yeah. Uh, 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 there are times out there where he makes a play. And I'm just like, how did he do that? Like, he doesn't look like he should be able to do that yet. He does like his jump shot, which by the way, has gotten so much, um, I don't want to say appealing, but easier to look at. Um, and he looks great, by the way, recently shooting the J, um, which is a huge improvement yes. in terms of his technique. Um, but I, I just think Brandon Slater is, again, ceiling potential. He's so much more smooth, so much more athletic. He's becoming a cornerstone. In, in, maybe cornerstone is a bit too much at this point, but a very big part of the defense. I think he's one of our better defenders on the team. I would agree um, with that. So, so I do think his ceiling is at least Jermaine Samuels. Uh, if he continues to grow at the rate that he has been recently. Hmm. I would be, I would, like I said, I'd be impressed. Love the Jermaine Samuels talk though. Like it's tough to describe how much I think we've all come around on Jermaine Samuels. I mean, in some ways he's, he's half Andreas block, half Josh Hart, you know, and it's just like, it's unbelievable. Some of the plays he makes like an all American type of play and then dribbles it off his foot or throws it directly to the other team or uh, who, it's unbelievable, but I, I will say this unequivocally, Jermaine Samuels, without him right now, this team would have lost two to three more basketball games, period. And it, he's an essential part. He is, he is the third most important player on the team. And that is wild. That is he's wild. And I'm a, thrilled for the kid. He's not a guy that's going to take a, a huge load on himself, right? I mean, he, he can put up a lot of points as we've seen over the past four games, but He's never gonna. He's never gonna be the guy trusted with the ball in his hands. It's, you know, in his hands, and it's either out, you know, for a shot, out for a pass, or he's driving right to the basket. It's it's one of those things. He's he's never quite developed, but he's he's really found himself in a role that's that's well suited for him, and and he's picked his moments really well, especially over the past couple of weeks. All right, next question here, guys. And this is a fun one because it allows us to talk a little bit about last night's game against St. John's, but also to reminisce and really size up where the season is and where it has gone. Was last night's game against St. John's the team's best performance of the year? If so, why? If not, which one? I'll start off. I think it was Texas. I mean, I think it's just a better team overall. Um, We've seen how they've grown. They're obviously not the same team that Villanova played. They've, they've gotten better also, but 
Um, I'll always take a win over a better team, um, a really good team, in my opinion, in Texas, um, than a big win against the St. John's. St. John's is good. I just, I, I, I'm more impressed with the Texas win. Recency bias makes me want to say yes. Um, I also partly want to say that the St. John's win is a bigger win uh, because you've already lost to them and the way in which they lost to St. John's the first time around. Um, I also think, I mean, Bobby mentioned it, they still turn the ball over 15 times. Um, but I think we saw a little bit more of a willingness to push back uh, in a defensive effort last night, whereas last time we let, uh, they seemed to let St. John's dictate the, the pace and the style of the basketball game. Um, it seemed to really get to them. And Gillespie, of all people, seemed the most flustered and turned the ball over six times last time they faced St. John's, whereas last night, totally different story. Um, I, I mean, not totally different, still turning the ball over, but they at least pushed back. They've, I mean, they, they won the turnover battle um, for St. John's to turn over the ball 16 times, um, which is huge. So I think I'll push back. I mean, I think K-Mac, great answer there. Uh, that tape, that Texas win just has become bigger and bigger almost all year. Um, and to, to do it at Texas and in front of fans um, this year, impressive. But I think recency bias and just avenging an ugly – Lost from just a couple weeks ago. I'll, I'll give the nod to St. John's win last night. Yeah, that was Kevin. Yeah, I think those are good. Go ahead there, Kev. Yeah. I, I think those are good games to point to. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route there. And I'm going to talk about the first game back from the delay in the Seton Hall win, right? 76 74 win, narrow win, maybe not a team that's. Uh, going to be in the NCAA tournament. looks like they're on the, the first four out right now. However, let's look back just last night, Baylor, Iowa State. Who would have thought that game would have been even close? And Baylor coming off of a big break almost drops one to a team who had to win a game in the Big 12. So we see how difficult it is coming out uh, of one of those COVID breaks like that. And, and let's remember how well Seton Hall played offensively that game. Mamu Kalashvili had about 23 points, absolutely dominated, and, and we kept right with him. Um, we uh, continued to shoot the ball very well in that game. We took care of the ball. Uh, I thought that was a really, really impressive win coming off that, that big loss. So I'm going to say that Seton Hall win was the most impressive of the year. My game was going to be Texas as well. Kevin McLernan, totally, totally agree. The Big 12 is nasty, though. Texas, after, a, again, a loss last night to, uh, to Kansas, is 7-5 is and five in the Big 12 this year. Still a top 15 team. That's wild. But they're really good, and that was a huge win. Just in the effort of put, putting another game, let's talk about a season sweep of Marquette. Absolutely blew them out twice. Completely took control. Woj's team isn't playing well this year, but Marquette always plays hard. And I thought the fact that that didn't become an issue in 80 minutes of basketball was important. And, and again, just good to look back at some of Villanova's games. Special shout out to the second half against Georgetown after getting absolutely walloped in the first half on the road at McDonough. That was another strong, say, 25-ish minutes of basketball, five minutes to close the first half, and then the 20 minutes in the second. Boys, before we move on from the opening tip, anything big we missed this week, next week, talking talk Villanova hoops, what do you got for me? 
Well, I, I just wanted to bring up a question that we had touched on last week. Um, I think it was actually almost kind of mentioned like, off cuff by you, Bob, which was, you know, is this team better than last year's team, even without Sadiq Bay? Um, and for me, I think the answer is yes, this team is better. Um, I, that might be shocking, Sadiq Bay, big loss. Um, but I think the other parts have gotten so much better defensively. Um, we've seen a number of players also grow offensively. Um, I do think, I, I mean, I, people look back and I, I think Sadiq Bey, great player, but I think we just forget, and, and that team was sure getting hot maybe at the right time, but I think we forget just how frustrating that team could be to watch at times last year and how immature that the rest of the team still was. Whereas I think this team this year is much more of a complete team um, and I think worthy. I mean, we, we played this game last week, right? After Michigan in the top 25 rankings, who's a, who can you say is clearly a better team right now than Villanova? And the answer is nobody. You know, three through 12, it's a toss-up. Um, and so I think this year, um, I think this team is, as, as I said last week, similar to a 2014-2015 um, team 2015 arguably better probably no, but, I was gonna say so I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll, go, with, I'll go with 2017 maybe um, it's a one but definitely, seed. but definitely 2014 I think comparable basketball teams relative to the the competition hmm. yeah my so thought I, on that oh, go ahead yeah, fine I'll, all I was gonna say is I, I think they'll win a couple more games in the tournament this year but uh, I think last year's team was, per- was better than this year's. Um, I, I do think the Sadiq uh, loss is – it might be overrated, especially with seeing how well he's playing right now. Um, I thought he was a, a good player and a solid player at Villanova, not, a, not like a great player. Um, if he stayed, he would have been a great player in my opinion, but I don't think he was quite there yet when he, he won was – He won the small forward – best small I, forward I in the country award. I know. <laughs> He was a good player. Oh, yeah. What's that make everybody that didn't win the small forward award? Less than him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll kick it over to Kevin Long then on that one. uh, In my opinion, I'm going to side with Kevin McClarendon here. Uh, Maybe not for reasons that uh, Sadiq Bey was mediocre, but um, uh, Crabtree. I think it comes down to, to ball handling for me. I've been a little bit concerned over the past couple of weeks of teams able to effectively press Villanova, and we've seen them struggle. We've seen them struggle with inbounding the ball, and we've seen them struggle to break the press. And I think that really just re- is a result of not having enough ball handlers. We, I, there are really, you know, between Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore, there's nobody else that I necessarily trust to bring up the ball and having Sadiq Bay as that, you know, small forward or stretch four that you felt comfortable with the ball in his hands. Uh, that just made so much of a difference to me, you know, guys like Jermaine and Caleb have had great seasons, but if you trap them in a the corner, they don't know how to get out. They're going to, they may throw an errant pass. We've seen it. Uh, and I'm very concerned that, that that lack of that third ball handler is going to come back to bite us at some point. Kevin, they have the fewest turnovers per game of any team in the country. Well, tie, tie with Wisconsin, but they have the fewest turnovers per game. 
I don't, I don't know what we they could play, ask. They for play more. less possessions than most. Just to throw that out there. I mean, it's still going to be good nationally. I'm just saying. Per possession, I think, I think, I think uh, sure, but I think to lead the country in fewest turnovers per game, and then say that they struggle with ball handling, um, that that yeah. does that does not match up. I think. In I the think words of seeing... Kevin McLernan, that's good. <laughs> I, I want to know how many times the ball bounces per game. Don't give me how many times you dribble it. This one. That bounces the turnover ratio. Yeah, exactly. um, I mean, uh, again, I, I think we they ran into St. John's who is a team that forces a lot of turnovers. Um, and I, and I, I, you can't tell me that Colin Gillespie hasn't gotten better as a floor general this year. Um, you can't tell me that, I mean, Justin Moore, even though we, the triangle is too frequent, can't tell me he's also not still more confident, uh, you know, ball handler this year. Um, and I think, I think Brandon Slater can handle the basketball. Heck, J- JRE, I'd like them to get him more involved in breaking the press. He, he could do it. Um, we've seen him bring the ball up when he's been forced to. Um, I think, I, I think it's, I think you can argue last year's team was better. Mm-hmm. I don't think ball handling is something last year's team was better at. I'll say this, or you have Kev, you got one more shot there. Sorry. Sure. I'll, I'll just reply to a couple of comments there. I, you know, I think Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore are exceptionally talented with the ball. I mean, don't get me wrong there. And, and I, I agree that JRE is probably that third guy that I trust with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, and we've effectively been able to keep it in just those two guys hands uh, but we've seen a couple of times where recently, you know, referencing, sure, the St. John's game, it was the second most turnovers we had given up all year in one game. But uh, I, I'm just a little bit concerned that they, you know, you double up Colin and you force Justin to have the ball and he needs to be back there with Caleb Daniels. Or let's say Colin Gillespie is out in foul trouble. I, I just think this team is in, in real trouble if we don't have both those guys on the floor. I just want to just throw out. Um, sorry, I was trying to find it. St. John's fourteenth most turnovers per game forced. So I just think those two things together kind of create uh, a distortion. And those were the the they forced Villanova into their most turnovers and second most turnovers all season. So, as they say, better defense beats good offense, huh? The only thing I have to say, I don't really have an opinion as to which team is better. I think they're probably comparable, but there are two schools of thought, and albeit these are very small schools, very few people are actually talking about this, but I find it to be a very interesting comparison. What team was better, the, the 2015 Villanova team or the 2016 Villanova team? And I've long contended that that 2015 team that lost in the second round in North Carolina State was just as good as the 2016 team and they ran into the wrong matchup at the wrong day, but it's the same thing, right? Sadiq Bay, Darren Hilliard, all American type guys, guys that led your team in scoring and truly were the leaders on those teams. Those guys graduate, juniors get better, sophomores become juniors. And then that next team excels in the situation of Hilliard's team. They ran into the wrong team. In the situation of last year's team, they also ran into the wrong team, COVID. But again, the only thing I'll say is that team was not blowing out many teams last year, just like this year's. It it seems extremely similar. Everybody likes to say that that team was riding into form, but they needed a goaltending call against Georgetown to win in the final seconds against a scuffling Hoyas team. So either of these teams can lose any game they play. 
Um, all that said, I'm excited. I, I think this team's, you know, a two or a one seed almost locked unless they, they really blow it down the stretch. And they're going to have a chance uh, to, to make a deep run in the tournament. And we'll close out the opening tip with this, Kevin McClernand, as I tee you up. When you were away, you said, take this to the show. I would be highly surprised if this team made it to the second weekend of the tournament. What say you now at the end of this conversation and discussion? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, still not confident in them to make the, the second week. Um, I, I just, I think as we see this team go, I mean, uh, they can make a run. They, they have a high ceiling. Um, I think that maybe a higher ceiling than last year's team, but if those two teams played each other, I'd be more confident in the Sadiq Bay team. Um, yeah. But I just, if this, if they run into a team that says, Hey, let's go get JRE in foul trouble. Let's get Gillespie in foul trouble early. And they do successfully. I think this team could be in trouble. It's a great discussion here, guys. Good way to get us started. This is the Villanova basketball report here on Bob Long sports, Bob Long, Kevin Long, K Mac and Tom trainer. And up next our weekly cat in the wild segment. Hey, have you guys done this before? What's going on? <laughs> I thought he usually queued me up. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure we do it the same way every single week. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Kevin Long, good. take us away. Ladies and gentlemen, your boss, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. All right, thanks, Bob. Uh, our, this week's cat in the wild is going to be Josh Hart. He's a guy who's now considered to be a, a veteran in the NBA, especially compared to some of the influx of young Villanova talent. Um, been around since now 2017. Obviously, was a big part of that 2016 championship run. Started off with the Lakers uh, and was involved in the, the trade that sent Lonzo Ball over to the Pelicans, and, and now he's there as well, um, struggling to get his minutes in at times, but has had a couple of good uh, games over the past week. Uh, on February 16th, he had 27 points, 6 of 11 from three, nine rebounds, really great performance. Uh, and then again on the 21st, he had 17 points, 10 rebounds, double-double for Josh Hart. Uh, good to see him starting to get some time in there. Uh, with, with Zion and, and Brandon Ingram, he really has struggled to get his time there, but it looks like he's, he's starting to carve out a little bit of a bigger role for himself on a uh, Pelicans team that is young and, and getting better each year. So uh, great news for Josh Hart, and he's our cat in the wild this week. Great one there, Kev. Josh Hart <clears throat> also won that small forward of the year, the first in a line of good small forwards for this Villanova team. <laughs> He's a great small forward. And it, I was just wondering, is Anthony Davis a band word on this podcast? Because Kevin just said Lonzo Ball trade. Not, not anything about Anthony Davis being involved in that Pelicans trade, which is just wild. It's all about Lonzo. <laughs> yeah, well, one final thing about Josh Hart. Uh, was it last week or, or the show prior we were talking about, um, I guess, a conversation about Mikel Bridges led into conversation about um, you know who is doing the best other than Kyle Lowry uh, in terms of Villanova products in the NBA. Um, and we didn't talk about Josh Hart. We talked about him struggling. But I will say, give Josh Hart credit. I think other than Kyle Lowry, he's probably by far the most popular Villanova NBA player. 
Um, and I think he wins the award for just like the best branding of himself, right? Like appealing to millennials with his video game stuff on Twitch, all the podcasts and other branding stuff he's got going on. Like shout out to Josh Hart. Like he is playing the business game. He's playing the long game um, really, really well. G- good choice, Kev. Thank you. He's learning from JJ down there about having a podcast. JJ Reddick, very popular podcast, and teaching Josh Hart his ways. That is a great podcast. Good stuff. Kevin, thank you for your walk through the NBA and Villanova's role in it. It's, it's nice that in today's day and age, and tell you what, if we tried to do this segment eight years ago, it would be a different conversation. So you'd be going Kyle Lowry, Randy Foy. Dante Cunningham from time to time. So you got a wider scope with which to work. It'd be a lot more overseas talent, but uh, nice to get a lot of NBA players in this one. I'm pretty sure that's how the, how it went, right? Kev said, you know, Jay, uh, we really want to do this segment on Bob mm-hmm. Long Sports, um, but, you know, we, we just don't have enough material. What are you going to do about it? And, you know, the rest, the rest is history. I tell you, it really started about the time we started this podcast. What is this, year year four, maybe, of doing this, 2017, when we started getting a lot of NBA talent? I, You know, that may be something to that. I think it may be us. There you go. Thanks for that, Kevin. Great segment there. And the final return. We are so excited. We have been preparing for weeks. It's Nova Trivia here on the Villanova Basketball Report with Kevin McLernan, a.k.a. K-Mac. Oh, yeah, we're back and with so many questions. We got about two questions today, so we're, we're moving along. Uh, but before we get to the questions, just for some fun trivia, I didn't know it was going to come up today, but Bob mentioned uh, about Darren leaving the team uh, before – and then also Sadiq leaving, and we're talking about this year's team. Uh, both players drafted by the Detroit Pistons. So there you go. <laughs> Some fun Villanova trivia before we get to the tough stuff. Detroit Pistons. <laughs> so first question, because we're uh, playing Butler on Sunday, correct? Or am, I, am I wrong about that date? It's Butler you're, on Sunday? Yeah, you're correct about the date. So, CBS, by the way, rare. It's usually CBS Sports Network or Fox Sports 1 or Fox, but CBS Broadcast Television leading into the, uh, the coverage gap on, uh, you know, on the golf telecast. Look, so look at you'll that have, promo right there. You will have people in the golf world lamenting you know, Butler fouling down seven with 15 seconds to go because it bleeds into the golf coverage. Go ahead, though. So on to Butler. Butler played Duke in the 2010 national championship game it is one of five national championship games between private schools can you name the other four (laughs) and bob's gonna have to edit this out this is gonna take some time that's why i that's (laughs) That's a great question k mac that's a really good question okay there is one that we all better get that's pretty much where i'm sitting now (laughs) <laughs> damn <laughs> I keep getting these schools and it's like the other one is a public school um, no this is a great question I this like- is, the N- is the NCAA or is this like back in the 50s the NIT as well 
So there's answers from that time period. And are they, it's, what was the question? The national championship? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I looked up NCAA champions and. Oh, okay. NCAA champions. That answers the question. So it's not NIT. It wouldn't be like the LaSalle 1954. Uh No, it is LaSalle 1954. Are you sure? That's one of them? Yeah. That was an NIT. I looked up national champions and they came up for. I guess uh, maybe they were. Hey, really sorry to give away that answer, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they still have to figure out who they played. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe so do you. Hmm. You guys can keep struggling. I've come to the realization I'm only getting one. Golly. Do we need years or can we just guess teams and hope that they matched up at one point? <laughs> <laughs> you you get partial credit if you just guess a that's so funny I think, you know what if you guess teams that have no idea whether they were in the final or not you win the nova trivia for the year that's right. so that's so funny all right i i right. am go i am ready to go all right let's let's see your answers and uh, we'll start with bob uh you everybody show your answers and bob you re, you read your answers first okay you want me to show it and read it yeah, if you can remember them. <laughs> I, I just I just wrote some like random names at the end. All right, I got LaSalle okay. against Bradley. That was the 1954. Shout out to the Ansels. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have known that. That big, is correct. Big LaSalle family. Nova Georgetown was the other one. And then UCLA against somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, no. UCLA is a public school name. Is it? It's I thought I thought like Southern Cal was so. So then that one's well, not correct naturally. Because because so, UCLA Nova would have been one. Yeah. Right. Seventy one. Yeah. Howard Porter. All right, uh, Tom and Kevin, did you get any besides well, I just, those? Two? I just wanted to know if any of these schools that I just like threw in there, Notre Dame. <laughs> BYU, San Francisco, and Penn. Were I, any of those teams in these games? San Fran. Uh, that's a good San call. Fran. San Fran's absolutely right. The year after 1954, they beat Tom Gola's LaSalle team. Wow. So 19, 1955, San Fran defeats LaSalle is the third. And Kevin, you've got the fourth one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Here I come in, save the day. I'm, I'm going to say that St. John's and Georgetown met at some point. They did not. It is 1942, guys. Stanford beat Dartmouth. Nice. So, yeah. And I think we all remember that. <laughs> Obviously. Big green. Wow. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, those are, the, those are the five title games. So not, not too frequently do, do private team or schools meet in the finals. We're all clear at this point. So, Bob got two points for that. Kevin and Tom, you got one. Or Tom, did you get 1954 also? No, I mean I, I didn't. Get okay. So Bob two, Kevin Tom one each. All right. No on half to... point for uh, Bill Russell's San Fran team. Come on, man. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> if you if you got the year, maybe. Um, all right, we're gonna go on to the 2011 NCAA tournament, where Butler defeated the number one seed. Pittsburgh Panthers. Um, there was about 2.2 seconds. Yeah, left yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when a certain Butler player fouled a certain Pitt player. Wild game. So if you can name that, 
That is extra points. But the real question is, after the free throw, a pit player fouled a butler player with 0.8 seconds left, 90 feet away from the basket, and they lost the game 71 to 70. Can you name the butler player and the pit player involved yes, in that play? But wait, can you go back to the first part of that question? Because I had already had that. What was the first part then? So uh, Butler was originally up winning the game. And as they were, uh, as um, Pitt was inbounding the ball, uh, they fouled um, Pitt. So what Butler player made the dumb foul against uh, what Pitt player? Yeah. Because the, the Pitt player only made one free throw and did can not give, take the can lead. Can we give you a uniform number? <laughs> I won't be able to confirm that uniform number. So, 2011. 2011, the second year they made the, the title when they lost to UConn, right? Yep. Great game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that, that was 18%. 53 41. That was, that 40, that was, was that the Houston. Ford? That Houston. was in Houston. That was okay, the storyline going into 2016 that this is the building where nobody could shoot the ball. This final four is going to suck. Mm-hmm. And then Villanova shot 74% yeah. against yeah. Oklahoma. Because when they lost to Duke, it was Indianapolis. Right. Because they were talking about how close Butler had, like they barely had to yep. go anywhere. Yeah. Kevin, this is the question I said Bob would love. <laughs> Yeah, he's, 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 he was licking his chops and he was salivating. Oh, I got I got the one Yo, without any three words in. Yeah, I was I wrote down the wrong guys, thinking about the wrong time on the clock. <laughs> yeah. Just got him so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, just let me know when you guys are ready. Hmm. All, right, All right, I I'm not gonna get any yeah. closer. Ready? Uh, sure. I yep. think the pit player I named wasn't even on the team. Okay. We got Gilbert Brown and Matt Howard were, were the last two guys. So that is incorrect, Bob. Uh, Tom, what did you say? So, well, I said that uh, Sheldon Mack had committed the first foul. Is that correct? Or whatever his name was, Mack? It was Shelvin Mack. But Shelvin Mack, yeah. that's correct. Okay. And I had that as well. Um, I didn't know who was shooting the free throws. I couldn't for the life of – me remember Matt Howard's name. I knew it started with an H, but it was his number 54. I was trying to get points on that. I don't know why that that sounded correct. I don't know. Anyway, pretty sure it was 54. Yeah, he, he had the ugly little mustache and the long hair, white dude. Um, and then I had Wanamaker committing a foul, but I don't even think he was on the team. Mm-hmm. So that's all. And Kevin, what did you have? Yeah, I couldn't really remember a whole lot of pit players. I'm not sure if this guy was on the team either, but I said Dewan Blair. I'm just going to go with that for both because I'm just hoping that one hits. And I said, Matt Howard is. My so who the heck was both. the pit? Who was the pit guy then? So Gilbert Brown was the player Scotty. The pit that missed the free throw. Okay. And then Nazir Robinson was the player mm. who fouled Matt Howard uh, 90 feet away from the basket. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. That what was the only thing I, that was the only thing Howard. I could think of. So I, the only guy I could think of was Gilbert Brown, so I just threw him down for – You seem so confident that I thought he knew it, Bob. Well, I knew he was one of them, so I threw it down for both, but I, I actually thought he was the – I'll take three. It's all right, but 
Yep. I would not have gotten Nazir Robinson. I don't think. Nazir no Robinson. Chance. And that's so all what the is, trivia. So what does that put us at then? Those those are fun questions. What did everybody so, get there? So Tom got Gilbert Brown. Kev got um, Matt Howard, right? No, no, I, I got mm-hmm. Nick. Oh, you got Mac. Gotcha. And then yeah. I couldn't quite get Howard. Yeah. But you didn't guess Gilbert Brown? No. Oh, okay. All right. So then, yeah, Bob, you said you got three. Mm-hmm. And then Kev and Tom got one. So Bob had five for today, and Kev and Tom had two each. So there you go. Strong. Putting some distance. These were tough ones today. I'm disappointed you guys didn't get the 1942 Stanford over Dartmouth, but I guess I'm going to have to bring easier trivia for you guys next week. <laughs> Thank you, K-Mac. Great stuff. And now time for our final segment of the night, the shoot-around. All right, welcome to the shoot-around, everybody, where we shout out pretty much anything and everything in the world of basketball or not. Um, And I will start us off tonight, and I am going to shout out – actually, this this is going to warm your hearts, or I don't know how you're going to take it, but I'm going to shout out Bob for the work he's doing with LaSalle and calling those basketball games. Um, I just think that this is something – Bob, we, we know for years through Bob Long Sports has, has been calling high school sports. To, he's been the voice of LaSalle. Um, and I think this year of all years, obviously more important than ever and becoming more popular than ever. Um, and just watching the games and seeing the comments sections of the high school kids are having a lot of fun with it. Um, and seeing hundreds of people watching these games um, is just pretty incredible. So kudos to you, Bob. Great work. Um, heartbreakers that's a good LaSalle team they've now lost on two buzzer beaters to Newman Garetti and Roman Catholic but uh but there you were there to call and and Bob I all I always see comments um for people who don't seem to have heard you before saying wow this commentator's great and I'm like yeah he is. he's Bob Long you don't know Bob Long <laughs> he's Bob Long damn it um but a great job Bob um, that, shout out thank to you. you I appreciate it. you're too kind you're too kind it's Listen, it's the players out there and the product they create that makes my job easy. It's it's fun to do, and I appreciate doing it for the LaSalle community. And a quick story, if you'll oblige. You'll find this funny, and, and my wife still doesn't. Uh, we were down at the Palestra just a couple of years ago when LaSalle had an excellent team and ended up going to the state semifinals. They were playing in the Catholic League Championship. And that was a game that I was, for a number of reasons, you know, we weren't able to call. There are certain rights associated with that. But, of course, I went down to watch the game, cheer on this LaSalle team. So my wife and I stopped by at, um, at, at the Shake Shack right on University of Penn's campus, grab a bite to eat, and all the LaSalle folks and Roman Catholic folks for there were there. And, you know, it was nice enough. All the kids were coming up and saying hello and, and appreciative of what we did. And, you know, my wife's kind of like rolling her eyes, like, ah, oh, come on, don't get a big head about this now. It's like, no, 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 of course not. It's just nice to see everybody, yada, yada. So we walk out and for a matter of context, I also broadcast Drexel hockey down there at the class of 1923 arena. And so there are some great, 
student interns that help with that program. They help with our broadcast. And, and I saw a couple of, of those, you know, nice young ladies that, that do that and are on campus at Drexel and they see us walk. Oh my gosh, Bob, they stop. They start talking to me. We start talking about the season. Great to see him. And then all of a sudden these LaSalle kids start coming by and say, Bob Long, Bob Long. And the girls are like, Hey, that's our Bob Long. And my wife's like, wait, that's my Bob Long. Don't you dare get a big head about this. So again, I appreciate you obliging me. That that's kind of a fun story that I've never really told uh, on the air. There's enough Bob Long to go around. <laughs> so thank you, Tom. That's way too kind. Well deserved. All right. I can uh, take the next one here. So uh, on this show, we have downplayed the Blue Bloods of college basketball this year, but I'm here to shout them out today. A lot of Blue Bloods coming back and possibly going to cause some mayhem here in March. You look at some of these teams, Michigan State may be a little ways off, but a convincing win over Illinois uh, really boosts their chances. Kansas has been on a winning streak until their recent near loss to Texas. You know, no, no harm, no foul in a, in a tough loss to Texas. Duke with a big win over Virginia. Uh, and Kentucky with a convincing win over Tennessee, although probably too little too late. But I'm really looking forward to March now. I would love to see Duke getting in as an 11 seed and, you know, the look on that six seeds face when they see Duke pop up. I would not envy that position. So I'm looking forward to uh, a little bit more madness here in March. Not too little too late if they win that conference tournament, Kev. That and I true. mean... As long as the 68 isn't Lehigh, Duke has nothing to worry about, right? So, <laughs> um, CJ. Yeah, I'll shout out Tom. I mean, calling out Bob, that's great. But no, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> um, my shout out <laughs> goes to uh, Maryland Terps player, Katie Benson. She got a shout out from SVP, but everybody knows a K-Max shout player than SVP shout out. So making nine out of her 10 threes last night. Um just, I mean, we don't even see Steph Curry do that. So, unbelievable game. I think they scored 112 points or something, which is crazy. Um, so, yeah, Katie Benson, 9 out of 10. My shout-out tonight is to a former Big East player that, by virtue of Villanova not being on the CBS Sports Network very often, I didn't necessarily know was doing great work in media. And that's Providence great Ryan Gomes. Do you guys remember Ryan Gomes and how much of a pain in the butt he was when Villanova played him? That guy was big, strong, could shoot, great footwork inside. He was a prototypical Big East, tough, skilled basketball player. And he works alongside John Rothstein, one of the other analysts. For my money, the smartest man in college basketball, John Rothstein. And Ryan Gomes holds his own in a network post-game and pre-game show on the CBS Sports Network. It's kind of one of those forgotten networks, but when they play that intro, CBS college basketball music, you know you're in for something special. And while we're talking Big East hoops, they're making impacts in the media world beyond their days on the basketball court. Ryan Gomes joins a great staff on that desk along with John Rothstein. A good one here tonight, boys. Thanks so much for the time. Kevin Long, K-Mac, Tom Trainer, alongside me, Bob Long, on the Villanova Basketball Report. The Cats 
are back on track and we'll be back next week to talk about it some more. Enjoy the rest of your week and stay safe, everyone.